Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to Two Pizza Podcast. I am Michael Platten, and today we are continuing with our Gromitz podcast where we're talking to Dr. Ishmael Patel. We hope you enjoy the second part, and we will see you in the third part next week where we wrap up our talk on Gromitz. Thanks a lot for listening. Welcome to Two Pizza Podcast, where we will talk about child health from birth right away through to adolescence, dealing with issues of illness, development, and everything else that is of importance. So to insert a grommet now, this means the child has to come into hospital, has to go into the operating theatre, be put to sleep, and then you, as the surgeon, will look down the ear canal from the outside with a microscope, right? Yes. And then? So, essentially, this is a surgery where there is no cutting on the outside. Often, this is the questions we get asked. Doctor, are you going to cut my child? The answer is no. We use a microscope to go through the external canal or the hole that you see on the outside. We visualize the eardrum. And all we do is in the front bottom portion of the eardrum, we make a little cut into the eardrum and we place this tube in there. But before we do that, we generally would suck up all the fluid. And this is where you hear and you would see on on YouTube or on the internet uh, the word glue ear. Why glue? It actually is almost like Bostic, which you see in the ear. And when you suck it out, it's like a thick, gluey substance that we actually suck out in most cases. And once we've sucked out as much as we can, we then take this little tube and we place it in, in that position. And then the child, but it's a quick procedure, huh? Yes. It's a couple of minutes. Yeah, it, it's a quick procedure. Uh, just to give you, uh, Simon, some idea about what's happened with grommets. So in the old days, we would use stainless, we would use steel, we would use uh, fluoroplastic and silicon. These days, we're starting to use more what we call Allo, uh, hypoallergenic, uh, what does that word mean? It means products that do not cause an allergic reaction in the ear. And this, the, the two most hypoallergenic substances we have that we can use in the human body uh, initially used to be gold, but it's too expensive. And now we're starting to use titanium. The advantage of the titanium grommet is it's wider. I find it's more, got a bigger diameter, and it tends to last a bit longer than the old silicone or fluoroplastic grommets, which are still commonly used. But in my hands and in my practice, I tend to use the titanium grommet. The groom is hidden, the babies come out, woken up, goes home very quickly, the same day before, generally they come in early in the morning, they're home before lunchtime, there's no pain, what is the post-operative treatment and follow-up? So uh, the main thing to, to do is to, is to monitor the ear over the next few days. If the middle ear has, still has an active infection, you may still find the ear oozes or leaks or has a discharge. In those cases, we recommend that the drops that we would have used already in theater be continued to be used after theater. And the best way to actually measure when to actually stop the drops if the child is old enough is actually if they can taste it. Otherwise, the only other way is they can actually taste the drop because the tube that connects up the middle ear to the back of the throat will actually open and they would be actually yeah, be you said it's an open system. You use that oil can thing. So you're putting yeah. drops from the outside. Yes. It's running down the ear canal, getting to the eardrum, going through the ventilation tube, the grommet, 
through the canal, through that, that even middle ear, down the canal into the throat. Yes. So then you know it's working. And then you know it's working and the whole system's open. So then how long do grommets stay and do you have to take them out? What's the problem? Okay. So very simply, a grommet is a temporary device. It was designed, uh, again, if you look at the eardrum in the human body, it's actually angulated from top to bottom. It actually runs it's slightly higher uh, and in front uh, on top, and then the bottom it's angulated where it actually lies at an angle going from front to back where the top uh, is, is, is further forward than the bottom. So that's simply designed because the eardrum uh, the, the grommet was actually designed to last between three weeks and three months in the ear, more or less. What actually determines the, uh, how long the grommet stays? So the eardrum, believe it or not, is actually made from skin. And just like the skin on the rest of our body, it actually grows and it forms new layers of skin. And this is ultimately what forms the wax in our ear. And this particular skin grows from the middle of the eardrum to the end of the eardrum. So what actually happens is the skin grows and as it grows, it actually pushes the grommet to the edge and eventually the grommet ends up, because of the engineering of the middle ear, it actually ends up falling into the outer ear and never into the middle ear, simply because of the design and engineering of the way the eardrum is positioned in the middle ear. No, also, isn't it the shape of the grommet itself, that the grommet is bigger on the one side and smaller on the inside that you would stick into the ear? In fact, the grommets, most of them are actually exactly like a cotton reel bobbin. There's no difference between the top and the bottom. So the, the if you make the bottom end of the grommet longer, which is a very special type of grommet, Michael, you bring up a very interesting point. How can we make a grommet stay in longer? We actually make the bottom end of the grommet, which is actually in the middle ear, bigger, we can make the grommet stay in longer. So in fact, it's not the outer end, it's actually the inner end that determines how long the grommet actually stays in. And in those cases, it may last even more than a year, uh, even sometimes up to 18 months. But we try and resist putting those long-standing long grommets because a common complication of those is that they may leave a permanent hole behind in the eardrum. Mm -hmm. So the, ear, the grommet falls into the, into the outer ear canal and it just will wander down the canal and fall out. You probably won't see it. It'll happen when the child does a somersault or something that comes out. Sometimes it gets wrapped up in the wax and you can see it in the canal, but it's not doing its job. Yes. So... When the ear, when the grommets are in the eardrum, do we have to be very careful not to get water in the ears? Okay, so initially in the old days, we often thought that the source of infection actually was very much like a simple method of the water is infected, it goes through the outer ear, through the grommet, into the middle ear, and we get recurrent ear infections. We now understand that when we swim, we get our nose, our mouth, and our ears into the water, not just your outer ear. And they've now done extensive studies around the world where they looked at kids who have grommets, who swim. So they looked at kids who swim, who don't swim, who have grommets, who don't have grommets. And they did an extensive multi-center trial around in the U.S. and in Europe, and they found having a grommets and swimming doesn't necessarily increase your risk of having an ear infection. In fact, what increases your risk of having an ear infection is actually 
quite simply the quality of water and how many kids are using that water and how often that water is actually clean. So it's because the water ends up going through your nose to the back of your throat, through your mouth to the back of your throat, and that can also cause a middle ear infection. So it's not just the water going in from the outer ear into the middle ear that can cause an infection. So do you tell your patients to prevent? Do you tell them to put earplugs in when you put grommets in? Do you yes. say, try not to get water in? Yes. Uh, the reason I say it is simply one of the things that's going to happen in the middle ear is re the middle ear infection, the fluid's going to disappear. The lining of the middle ear becomes a very, very thin lining. And because it's involved in hearing, it is very sensitive. And just like we see the advert on TV where you talk about heavy metals in petrol, there are many, many minerals and metals in water. And the, some many kids can have a sensitivity not to the water, but actually to the heavy metals and the minerals actually in uh, the, the water itself. So soaps, uh, shampoos, and all of these things can contribute to sensitivity. So that's one of the reasons I suggest they try and protect their ears. And secondly, because most kids are learning to swim in heated swimming pools, which I call their little uh, uh, incubators of infection, I often encourage kids to wear, especially in heated swimming pools, to uh, to, to protect their ears. So, Ishmael, with the uh, uh, grommets, because they, they are going to fall out. Often parents ask, how frequently can you put grommets in? Because that, that eardrum is obviously has, or has a, a scar in that needs to heal once a grommet falls out. So how often can you put one in if the child is getting recurrent infections after they've had a grommet? So the first one, the first point you make, Michael, is really interesting. Not all kids scar. There are just some kids, just like you get scarring on your skin when you get hurt. We find some kids have a propensity to scar and some don't. So some you would never know have had a grommet inserted, but some will have scarring. The most important thing is, and it comes back to the original reason we put the grommet in, why did the grommet need to be put in the first place? Mm -hmm. And that's because the eustachian tube, the tube that connects the middle ear to the back of the throat, has not started to function. There was something I missed early on. Why do ear children get ear infections and we as adults in general do not get ear infections? It's got to do with a very simple philosophy about that the eustachian tube in kids are shorter, it's flatter, but the most important thing is the control that opens and closes the eustachian tube in kids is still immature and doesn't function as well as it does in adults. Mm. So that's the reason moving forward. It depends on how quickly that tube is going to mature and the environment in which that child finds itself and how much of exposure he has to infections will determine whether they continue. So there's, uh, first of all, it's, uh, exposure to recurrent infections that will determine how many ear infections a child continues to get. It's environmental, whether the child lives in an environment where there's uh, uh, severe pollution, allergens and things that can cause recurrent infections. And thirdly, it's anatomical. So kids with Down syndrome and these kind of anatomical problems will continue to have more ear infections. So there's various reasons why some children will end up with more ear infections and poss the possibility of having more grommets inserted over time. And it, it's not a, a one-size-fits-all. It depends entirely on that child and as that child develops, how quickly that you stay in tube matured.
Therefore, is there any way that we can hasten the maturation of that eustachian tube? Or is it just a natural pro, pro, or progress? I don't think of it. I know. <laughs> so can we speed up how quickly the eustachian tube or the auditory tube uh, develops? No. The reason we cannot, unfortunately, it's because the eustachian tube lies within the bony vault, which is the skull. We, uh, we cannot actually intervene there. So, in fact, a grommet is an indirect intervention to actually open a tube which we cannot reach. So... Unfortunately, uh, just to put it simply, even in a child, the right and the left ear, the eustachian tube may be totally different levels of development. The one side in the ear may develop faster than the other side, and you may find the child only gets an infection in one ear and not in the other ear. Mm -hmm. So even in an individual child, you could have different levels of maturation in the same child. So, because of our anatomy and we, we the fusion of two halves in terms of development, you may find that in the same child, the one ear matures faster than the other. So, there's no, no, the, the simple answer is no. There is no way of speeding the process up. What we can do, however, is manage the other factors. So, if the child is a, allergic or is atopic, we can manage that. If the a, child is having recurrent infections, we can look to see if the immune system of that child is functioning well and look at other factors. And then, obviously, there's preventative factors, trying to ask them to make sure that they clean their noses regularly, uh, make sure when they're swimming, they keep, uh, you know, try and avoid uh, when they're sick to swim and things like that. That's where we're going to be ending off for today. Thank you so much for, you, for listening to what we have to say. We'll be joining you again next week where we finish off part three of our Gromits podcast. Thanks for listening. If you found this of value, please be sure to sign up to our email list at www.care4kids.com co.za and that's the numeral four and subscribe in your favorite podcast app or follow us on facebook at two peter in a podcast at two peter in a podcast two not the numerical two this is our disclaimer the information we have given you in this podcast is our own personal professional opinion we're giving it to you for your own information please don't use it to treat yourself or to treat anybody else. Rather, go and see your own medical healthcare provider and follow their advice.